Welcome to the Life Changing Principles Podcast, where we take a new principle every week and explore how it changes our lives. I'm Leanne Hunt, ready to jump into today's principle. Today we're talking about sustained compassion. And the principle that we're going to land on is that sustained compassion requires including yourself in the circle of compassion as you go about making choices for what's the compassionate thing to do in this moment. What is sustained compassion? So that's a concept that I came up with because I work with families and in families, it's not just compassion where you run across a homeless person and think, how am I going to help? or you see someone who's gone through something really difficult and you reach out with compassion to help them. It's about having compassion for our family members that we live with day in and day out. And to me, that requires a different kind of compassion for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's easier in some ways to have compassion for our family members. We know them well, we love them, we have relationships with them, we have a history with them. But for those same reasons, it's sometimes also harder to have compassion for our family members because we know them well and we love them, but we get frustrated by their choices and we can see where some of the things that they're actually doing are creating their own suffering. A few years ago, I went to a conference on family life coaching and I met someone who owned a business called Balm Recovery. And basically, I think it was maybe Balm Family Recovery. And in Balm, what they do is they coach family members of addicts who are recovering or in recovery, or maybe even still addicts and they want them to recover. In coaching the family members, what they found is that often the advice for people who were dealing with addicts or other difficult people in their lives were to cut them off, to basically remove them from your life, to protect yourself, to not keep enabling them, those kinds of things, which in some ways is good advice. But what they found is that these family members lived with these people day in and day out, or they loved them. They had a relationship with them and they wanted to create good boundaries. They wanted to make good choices and they wanted to protect themselves and other family members, but they didn't want to completely cut them off. And so Balm is all about finding ways to engage with these family members from a place of compassion, but a place of compassion that's true compassion, which means that it has a backbone, it has a strength to it, it has boundaries to it. I find this example of Balm Family Recovery to be a good example of sustained compassion because these family members stay in our lives. In order to sustain compassion, we have to look at both the short run and the long run which is great in families because we have the best interests of our family members at heart, both in the here and now and also in the long run in their lives. There's a story in one of the readings from the compassion class that I'm taking at Harvard Extension School, the class that these podcasts right now are based on. And the story was about a doctor who had an older woman in a tense situation and her blood pressure and her heart rate were just through the roof and all of a sudden they dropped and they were so low that he knew that she was gonna have a heart attack if he didn't stabilize her and she was still alert and awake but he needed to shock her heart and he knew that was gonna be extremely painful and so right in the middle of all of this chaos with his experience and wisdom, he knew that the compassionate thing to do with both her short run run and long run 
interest at stake was to shock her heart, to stabilize it so that she didn't end up having a heart attack. And so as he did that, he got right up into her face really close and said, I'm going to do this. This is going to be painful, but it's for the long run. I'm here. I have your back. We're here for you. And just right in her face was saying, I know this doesn't seem like a good idea because it's going to hurt, but I do have your best interest at heart here. And he did it. And she stabilized. And as he talked to her afterward, he said, all right, how are you doing? She said, I feel so much better. And so sometimes in the short run, the things that we have to do are going to be painful for the people that we're trying to show compassion for and trying to help when in the long run, it's going to make a difference for their lives. It's going to make their lives better. There's another thing to consider also, if you think about how we're going to sustain compassion for a family member over the long run, And that is the idea of including ourselves in the circle of compassion. What can be sustainable over the long run? What's going to work over the long run, both for them and for you? What can you sustain and what's going to be most useful for them? For example, as a new young parent, if you need to stay up late into the night with a baby who's not feeling well or who's crying or who's cranky or who just has a sleep schedule that's off, that's something that you're willing to do and maybe even regularly and often. But in the long run, if we don't do things that help that baby to be able to calm themselves, to be able to fall asleep on their own, to be able to sustain sleep in the long run, it's not going to be sustainable for both us and for them. And so we may have to do things that are uncomfortable. We may need to let the baby cry for a little while to begin to realize, oh, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be able to fall asleep on my own. And there's all kinds of techniques and ways to do this. There's sleep training professionals. There's people who agree or disagree with being able to let a baby cry as they're sleeping. So I'm not trying to advocate that particular solution. I'm just saying that sometimes there are things that we have to do that are uncomfortable that in the long run will produce more competence and therefore more self-reliance and ability for that person to to sustain their lives. So the compassionate thing to do is to create an independence in them rather than continuing to help them and serve them and, and rescue them. And even that might be our first response and it seems like the compassionate thing to do. It's not because it's not a compassionate long-term solution. Compassion isn't just making people feel better in the short run, it's making people feel better in the long run. It's really important to include ourselves in this circle of compassion. Otherwise, what happens is we end up getting consumed by it. We end up giving and giving and giving ourselves until we either burn out and we just can't do it anymore. Sometimes I've, I remember when I was a young mom, I would just go and go and go and burn the midnight oil until finally my body just couldn't handle it anymore and I would get sick. And I would know when it was coming on, I could feel it in my throat and I finally began to understand, oh, that means I'm going to get sick. If I don't get some sleep and get some rest and take care of myself, I'm going to get sick. But early on, I would just get full-blown sick because I wasn't including myself in the circle of compassion and taking care of myself along with taking care of my family. Or we may give and give until we have nothing left and then we just say, I'm done. And then we build these walls and we end up just not helping anyone. 
when we include ourselves in the circle of compassion, then we come up with these wise, compassionate solutions that work for everybody, that are sustainable for everybody. I like using two skills to check in with myself and keep myself in the loop of my compassionate choices and how I show compassion. So the two skills are both check-in skills, but one of them is about checking in with myself and the other one is about checking in with the situation and what's going on. So to check in with myself, I ask myself four simple questions. What do I want? What do I need? Just in this moment right now, what am I needing? What do I think? What are my thoughts and stories going through my brain? And what do I feel? What are the single word emotions that are coming up for me right now? If I can get in touch with what I want, think, need, and feel, then I'm more aware of my part in what's happening here. I know what's going on for me. I'm not just going to ignore it. I have the language for it. Sometimes I'll just jot down a little list of what I want, think, need, and feel so that I feel solid and stable before I go and try to figure out what to do in the situation. The second part of the check-in is checking in with the actual event, with what I'm trying to accomplish, with the other person, with the circumstance, with what's going on. In order to check in with what's going on, then I ask myself three questions. What is going well and why is that part going well? So what went well and why or what's going well and, and why? And that starts with a, a positive thing. Sometimes when we're showing compassion and trying to help somebody, things aren't going well. And sometimes things aren't going well for them because of no fault of their own. You know, if they've injured themselves in some way, then we have this kind of clean compassion where we want to go through and help them and make them feel better and support them in any way in their healing. But other times we have a complex tangled compassion where maybe we see that some of their choices are causing their own suffering and we still want to help, but we also don't want to enable and we live with them and we have patterns of things that have happened in the past and it just gets really hard to know what to do. And so when we ask what went well and why, we're tapping into the part that's going well. The next thing that we ask is what didn't go well or what's not going well in this situation. That allows us to face the truth and compassion is all about embracing the hard truths. When I read Kristen Neff's book about self-compassion, I was really surprised that one of the first things she brings up is that compassion brings us to an honesty. Self-compassion brings us to an honesty with ourselves to say, this is really hard for me right now. This isn't going well for me right now. I'm hurting right now. And then to bring to ourselves a little bit of self-compassion. And so when we look at a situation with others, with a family member that we're trying to help, then when we ask what's not going well, we can come to the truth of really what's not working here. And then finally, we ask ourselves, what are we learning in this situation? What have we learned from the past? What are we learning right now? When we can separate checking in with ourselves and feeling grounded in ourselves with what we want, need, think, and feel, it's a little different and it brings us some stability as we ask ourselves what's going on in this situation, what's going well, what's not going well, and what am I learning so that I can now make adjustments. It can be hard to change how we interact with family members and to make those adjustments. I remember that my husband and I used to have these conversations. We'd been married for several years and we would start having a conversation and one of us would say, 
oh no, it's happening again. We're having one of those conversations. We know exactly where it's going to end. We know how it's going to go. We've had this conversation multiple times before. Neither of us wants to have this conversation, but we don't know how to get out of it. We don't know how to end it. And so we can get in ruts in our relationships and in our responses and patterns of what we're doing in our family relationships. So if we want to make a change, I remember a family course or a parenting course that I took where they said, think about what you're going to do, not thinking about how it's going to turn out or what they're going to do or what you want them to do. Think about the change that you're going to make and then make that change or make the change in the environment. And then they called it, pull out the rug and let the buzzards tumble. And so they would say, just establish your new policy. Now, oh, this is just how we treat snacks in our home. That's just my policy. And then let everybody do what they're going to do and change what they're going to change and react how they're going to react because you've just made a simple change. You can do that when you're trying to be compassionate to somebody else by making new personal policies for how you're going to react, how you're going to do things, and then let them make whatever changes and adjustments they need to because now you're handling things differently. It's not easy to sustain compassion for family members who you know really well and who aren't going away anytime soon in your life. It's useful to include yourself in the circle of compassion as you're making these decisions about how best to help them. And it's useful to check in with yourself and with the situation to try to get clear on what's really happening, what you need, what they need, and what the compassionate thing would be to do in this situation. Thanks for being here and taking a little time out of your busy life for personal development. I applaud you for that. We take change one step at a time. You're already on your way. You're already enough. You've got this. Have a great week and we'll see you for the next principle.